0: Well, we're looking at our study of the church, and no, we did not get raptured. Well, we're still here, and so we get to be the church, and uh, we're studying in the third part of a little mini-series within what is church, and we're looking at the concept of Mission Impossible, and uh, first part was that we are to reach people who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're to reach them with the gospel, and then the second part of Mission Impossible is that we are to make disciples of all these that we reach, and we're to grow as disciples and in the word to become more like Jesus. And we come to third part today. I have an idea. It's my submission to you that every single person that has ever breathed on the planet has within them a desire to be part of something that is greater than they are. I think God creates us that way. I know in my own life, my own testimony, I was raised in a broken home, and my mom was 15 when she had me, and there was no dad. He took off, and and I didn't really know him growing up, and I was taken from her house, and and I lived with grandparents, and I lived with an aunt, and I lived with a different aunt and uncle, and I was constantly switched around, and I always longed to be part of a family, you know? I mean, we had some family connections because there were aunts and uncles raising me and grandparents, But, but I still, I missed that part of my own. There's a sense of Really longing to be part of something that's intimate, personal, that that we belong to, that is better than us, that is greater than us, that's a combination of us and those we identify with, so that we can experience something better in life, something greater. And I think God puts that desire within all of us. And it's intended to be that, at least in part, that desire in our heart is to be met and fulfilled in the local church. I think that Christians, those who have received Christ and are growing as disciples, long to be part of God's family, long to be part of the church, the local church where we come together as God's family and serve in our various places of giftedness and rub lives and shoulders and elbows together so that we are intimately connected to and part of something so much more wonderful than we could ever experience on our own. What a, what a gift God has given us as the church. And that's really what I want to look at today, is the church, and, and I think our connection to the church really finds its place in service, where we serve in the church. The connection is in service. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, we'll begin. Our connection is in service. Serving in the local church is our place of belonging to something that is greater, something that we're intended to be part of to experience the glory of God in a way that we cannot do on our own and individually. Ephesians 4, verse 11, that passage we've looked at so many times, and he, that's Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What did he give those gifts for to the church? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of... Now, outline, underline, mark, star... Highlight this word, ministry, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Now look at verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, "...that they may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body and edifying of itself in love." Write this down, a basic biblical truth when it comes to the church. You cannot separate your own Christian growth from your ministry within the body. You can't separate. There's this concept that we read about here that we're equipped so that we would do the work of the ministry, and then it goes on to talk about until we come to the unity of the faith, we would grow and become more and more like the stature of Jesus Christ. Our growth, in the context of how the Bible teaches it, is directly tied to our place of service, where every part does its share, which causes growth of the body. Our growth, personally, is tied to the ministry of the growth of the local church body. Can you see that? Let's read it again. Verse 16, from whom the whole body, that's the whole church, that's all of us together, watch this, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, We all come, we're, we're knitted, we're fitted together by what every single person, every single family supplies to this church body. And then he says, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Now we have all these different people and families connected, different parts, every joint supplying, and then each part doing its share, that's like called ministry, that's called serving in the church. Every part doing its share causes growth of the body. You see it? Your part and you're doing your share where God's called you to serve in the church is part of the church body growing and God using the church body to magnify his name. Can you see it? This biblical truth, you got got to see it because it, it supports everything we're looking at today. It supports ministry in our church. You can't separate them, folks, your personal growth and your connection, your personal connection serving in the local body. So let's look at two things together this morning. Let's look at what is ministry, what is it, and then how does it work? How is this ministry supposed to work in our local church? So what is ministry? We we'll go back to verse 12. said, God has given these gifts to the church. Why? Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. If you're a saint, say amen. amen. Say, I is a saint. Amen. That's you. You is one. You're a saint of God. I know you don't feel like it all the time, but you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and he sees you as his saints. You make up the body, that's who you are. Equipping the saints. What are you supposed to be equipped for, saints? Right here. The work of the ministry. Outline that word. It's the Greek word diakonos. It literally means to be an attendant or a waiter. So if you're, if you're um, and especially in those days, attending to every need of the group, you know, you're, you're the one washing their feet and, and going and making the table and setting things up and cleaning behind the scenes and, and bringing um, whatever is, is the meal it is in all the different parts and, and caring for the people that are getting, you see, you see the idea is that the attendant or the waiter is one who gives his time and services for the benefit of somebody else. That's the whole idea of what an attendant or a waiter or a slave does. That's the word for ministry. I think some of us need to be reminded that is the word for ministry. Ministry has to do with meeting the needs of others, serving sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes in the trenches, sometimes getting dirty, sometimes not popular and and recognized up on the front stage. Ministry is, is caring for others, giving of our own time and effort to meet the needs of others, to serve, literally means to serve one another. Uh, Luke uh, Luke chapter 10, if you'll turn there very quickly, I want to show you three directions that our ministry is to take. Three separate, distinct directions that our service is to be extended to. Okay? Three directions. The first one is unto the Lord. Our ministry is first and foremost, our service, being a slave, being an attendant, being a waiter, giving of ourselves is to the Lord. Luke 10... Very interesting dialogue that Jesus has here um, it 's possible guys now now we call this worship a lot of times don 't we? Our ministry unto the Lord is worship. We come and we serve him by what we 're doing um, together corporately. we serve him by preparing our hearts and confessing our sins, uh, being part of bible study, uh, the worship service, the music that we sing, even communion this morning is all part of worship. It's magnifying, making great the name and the character and the person of Jesus Christ. Is that what we're here to do, by the way? I hope so, because if we're not, I'm in the wrong building. That's what I'm doing. I want to see Jesus get big. I want to see our eyes widen as we see who Jesus is. I don't want you to be impressed with me or anybody else or the program here. I want you to see Jesus Christ. I want you to know that he died for your sins. I want you to know that God loves you and a plan and a purpose for your life. That's what we're here to do. That's called worshiping him. But as we do that, oftentimes we get caught up and involved also in in serving others, which we're going to talk about, but it first must begin with personal devotion and worship to God, our ministry unto them, unto him. Luke 10, look at verse 38. Read with me. Now it happened as they went that they entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. She's worshiping. But Martha was distracted with, what's, look at what she was distracted with, much serving. And she approached him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. So Mary and Martha show a contrast between serving people and ignoring Jesus or serving Jesus and learning how to serve people. See, there's a real important difference. You see Martha here. Now, I think a lot of us Marthas, I'm a Martha sometimes, don't laugh. I think a lot of us Marthas, really get involved with a lot of the busyness of serving we feel good about ourselves we feel useful we feel important when we're doing lots of the busy work that has to be done no doubt and those things are important but I really want you to see what Jesus points out those things have to be done one way or the other but he says Martha you're missing out on the important part you're missing me you're missing your worship no what was Jesus doing he was speaking, and it said that Mary came and sat at his feet to listen to his words. And so it shows that Martha, in contrast, is going out, serving, doing everything that needs to be done without first hearing what Jesus has to say. You see, our worship should draw us close to God so that we are impressed by who he is, so that we are transformed by who he is. And once the transformation occurs, then we begin to, out of the outflow of what God has done in our lives, begin to serve others. We've got to get the order straight. I'll tell you, if you're serving somewhere in the church or in a ministry or your neighbor and you're neglecting your own personal devotion and relationship with Jesus Christ in the Word and in prayer, if you're neglecting regular, consistent worship corporately together as the church, then you're busy doing many things but missing the first part, the most important part, worship to God. First and foremost, by the way, I want to show you what happens um, when we get to the place where we are busy serving without worshiping first, without spending time with the Lord, look at the bitterness that develops in Martha's heart. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, I'm just going to use a little creative liberty here. Watch. She came and she didn't just say, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do? Lord, do you not care? <laughs> I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but think about you can You can hear it. And, you're telling to God of the universe, do you not care, God? I mean, that just shows right there she doesn't understand who God is. She doesn't understand Jesus if she's saying, do you not care? Do you not care that my sister, my sister, she... Yeah, we hear a lot of that in church. My sister. We're so caught up with somebody else's worship and what they're not doing, what they are doing. Listen, we get so wrapped up, focused on the wrong things, and oftentimes bitter about people, about circumstances, about what's fair and what's not fair. When we take our eyes off Jesus and we begin to busy ourselves with all kinds of activity without first worshiping him. And spending time with him. So bitterness is a result of not putting the Lord first. And worship first with the Lord. But there's something else. It says um, Jesus makes a. You know when Jesus says something about you. It's always true right. You don't have to wonder. Does he really know what he's talking about. Okay this is God. He knows. Listen to his assessment of Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. You are allowing Martha. The trouble the anxiety, the worry of the world to consume you. It's almost as if the Lord's saying, Martha, look at what potentially could happen here. A worship encounter with God himself, and you're so distracted, you're so burdened by worry. This isn't going to get done in that, and, and it just grows like cancer, being worried in our lives. When does worry take over and become a problem?" When we forget to maintain our first ministry unto the Lord. He says, Mary has chosen well. Mary first is going to come and hear what I have to say and worship me. Now, I, wanna, I want you to know something. This, I've heard this lesson taught. Maybe you have too. Read it before. And all, if we're not careful, we can, we can read uh, into this that what Jesus is really saying is you don't have to do all that stuff. All you have to do, you know, it's like we think, oh, all I have to do. Is sit here at the feet of Jesus, come to church and listen to his word. And isn't he awesome? Isn't he great? Just Jesus. And then I just sit and do nothing. Well, that's not what Jesus teaches either. He does, in fact, say, I have come not to be served, but to serve. And then he also says to the Father, As you sent me, I'm sending them likewise to go serve, not be served. We are to be servants. We are to be doing activity, but we can't do them apart from, outside of, without personal worship and devotion unto the Lord Jesus first. It doesn't mean don't serve. It means worship, true worship, will always result in an outward flow to serving others. It's Jesus first. And as we worship Jesus, as a result of worshiping Jesus, the overflow of that encounter with him is intended to lead us then to the next direction, to serve other believers. So first and foremost, we serve the Lord. Number two, we serve believers, others. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews shows us, well, I just went there fast, didn't I? Oh, I'll wait for you. Go ahead. Hebrews chapter 6, but hurry up because I got a lot to say, okay? Okay. Let's go. Hebrews chapter 6. I try to say too much in one little period of time. Hey, I only get you for 45 minutes. The rest of the world gets you for six hours in the balance. Six days in the balance. They get you all day long every day. Let me have my 45 minutes. We've got to get it all in. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 9. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Here's what's to accompany your salvation. Here's what's supposed to happen to those who are saved. Verse 10, for God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love. How many agree that sounds like ministry? Serving, your work, your labor of love. Which you have shown toward his name, that's Jesus. Well, how have I shown Love toward his name. Look at in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. You see that? Everybody see that in verse 10? Do you like this? Yes, we see it. Okay. You he said, God is not unjust to forget. The Lord is mindful in your life of your work, your effort, your labor of love, your love that takes on the form of actually expending efforts, sweat and toil and tears toward the Lord Jesus Christ, toward his name. How? As you have ministered to and do minister to the saints. Our love for the Lord. I'm going to make a bold statement, so put your big girl and big boy underpants on and get ready. All right? Your love for the Lord will always, always, always result in service to his people. Your love for the Lord should always result in you serving his people. That's what genuine love relationship with the Lord looks like. When you begin to follow Jesus and obey Jesus and love his word, you find yourself all about, all about serving other believers. Serving one another. That's the ministry of the saints, ministry of others in our lives. And you know, sometimes sometimes the world just kind of gets a hold, and we get so distracted, and we've got so many things going, right? You feel like that sometimes? You're just juggling like 16 balls and 10 plates spinning behind you, and you can't drop one because they're all really important. Anybody, single moms, young parents, retired people, whoever you are, listen, do you feel like that sometimes? That's the way the world sets us up, and we're just... It's a balancing act. And then a genuine need comes along. A need to serve in the church. A need to plug in and and work and labor. You know, work and labor takes time out of your life, right? You get that? Work and labor is not convenient. I, I don't have to say that, right? You got it? And all of a sudden, there's a need or an opportunity that comes along. And we begin to, if we're not careful, even as Americans, we begin to view needs or opportunities for service as an inconvenience in our lives. Oh, you know, you just can't ask me to do that right now. I have too much going on in life. It's too, it's too troublesome. It takes me away from too many other things. Ministry should be an opportunity every single time it comes, not an interruption in our lives. Look for opportunities to serve in the church, opportunities to serve one another in different places and various means and teams in the church. Don't view it as an interruption to your life, because that's the place where Jesus said, you have shown toward my name that you love me by your ministry, ministering to the saints, and you do continue, he says, to minister. So that gives us two different directions, right? Our ministry is first unto the Lord, second unto other believers, and thirdly, to non-believers. And you may not want to turn there if you don't want to. Just quickly, I just want to read this one verse. In 2 Corinthians 5, listen to verse 18. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Is that true? Has God reconciled you to himself through Jesus Christ? Right? Brought you from being lost Hopeless, captive of your sin, to being healed and restored, being brought back into relationship through Jesus Christ. That's called reconciliation. He has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Now, catch the second part of the verse. And, and, has given us the ministry serving of reconciliation. See what he's saying? Just like you were reconciled to God, came to Jesus Christ. Forgiven of your sins, now that you have, you are ministers, servants of reconciliation. You're to be going out into the world, then you being used by God to cause reconciliation in others' lives who are lost, to bring them to the good news of the gospel through Jesus Christ, to being reconciled with the Father. That's called evangelism. That's that's outreach. That's uh, man. I think this is a good place for that video. I want to encourage you. Just let's take a quick time out. There are very few times where we have such a clear place in our church to all 100% be involved in our ministry to non-believers. And we, we have the privilege. You know, so many in our church, part of how God has reconciled them has been through a sports ministry this church used to have. And, and those folks have grown up and, and, and some of them are here in our church and they are so passionate about this upward basketball, and now we're adding upward cheerleading this year to basketball, which is about to start at the beginning of the year. I'm just telling you, folks, there is not a clear opportunity for all of us to serve non-believers where we can just literally fling open the doors of our gym, bounce around some rubber balls, and have lost people from all around the community run to be part of it. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I don't know. I'm just watching Jesus' ministry. Everywhere he went, he was trying to go where lost people were. Here, we have an opportunity because God's already provided the gym and all the resources. We have an opportunity to just fling open the doors and put out a little advertisement. and There they are. Hundreds. This year, when we start upward, I want to challenge every single person in this church to be a part. Every single. Whatever your background is, whatever your age is, say I can't get out there and be a coach. Me neither. I don't tell. Them, I hate basketball. Don't tell them that because I'm short. I play baseball, football, soccer, golf. I've done it all. I'm not very good at basketball. I'm not going to coach. But there is something that I can do. And for those of you who think, well, I can't just be on the front lines and part, part of the coaching and the games that are going on, I asked those people, what else can people do? And they came off with a list. I think by the time we were done with the list, there was like 18, 19 different places where you can serve and be part of it that will cause you, lead you to intersect somewhere with lost people in our gymnasium. Because your ministry is to non-believers. Let's show that video clip. Upward Sports, Upward Basketball. Understood the concept that if you want something you've never had you got to do something you've never done As we look at unchurched individuals unchurched adults in this country One of the things that we've discovered is that one of the top three reasons Why unchurched people might visit and then stick with the church is because of the quality of the ministry to children Because of the heart that the people in that congregation have for children. Because of how much that the church is willing to care for their children. It's a race. Whoever gets there first has the best shot at winning their hearts and minds. God created them, he loves them and he entrusted them to us. This is one of the greatest responsibilities and privileges we'll ever have. In fact, they become part of our spiritual legacy. They may be your greatest spiritual legacy. You have to be intentional to know they're not just here and we're not going to do devotions. You've got to have a passion and desire to see those boys and those girls come to a personal encounter. With Jesus Christ, those six-year-old boys, those seven-year-old boys, those eight-year-old girls, those are souls that Jesus Christ died for. Don't you ever take lightly that those are souls that you're ministering to. Have an eternal perspective. Look at those kids and realize that if you don't capture them, there's a good chance that they'll never come to know Christ. Everybody enjoys each other playing the game and you don't have to like... You're just not keeping scores so you don't say I beat you and it's just, it's teaching sportsmanship. I want you to remember, Johnny Hunt, Pastor of First Baptist Woodstock, was t- saying there: "Those are souls that will be here. Those are boys and girls that are lost without Christ, going to hell." And we have the chance to minister, to be servants of reconciliation whether it be coaching them or or cheering them on or sitting down next to their parents and encouraging them or praying for them behind the scenes or working the snack bar and cleaning up afterwards, we have the chance to be with our, our service, with our labor and work, we have a chance to be servants of reconciliation, letting God reveal to them eternal life through Jesus Christ. I'm just saying, church, why would we not be part of something like that? Check the table on your way out. Find a place to serve. We're going to be talking a lot about it, the entire church together. But that's a little bit about what ministry is, the definition, what is ministry. Let's look at how it works. How does this all come together and ministry turns into something like Upward Sports Program or something like that? And I want you, if you will, to turn to John chapter 15. There's two components to how it works that I would show you. Very important. How does ministry work? First and foremost... Ministry must always be connected to Jesus Christ. Ministry is not something that we do based on our own ideas and our own agenda. Are you you catching that through this series? The whole reason we're looking at what is church, because we want to see. What does God ask for the church to do? What is our purpose? And so our ministry, what we do, labor of love and work and serving... God, one another, and lost people come from his direction, come from his heart, his plan. John 15, we read this last week. I am the true vine, my father is the vine dresser. Every, verse one, verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Look at verse four. Abide in me, and i in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine neither can you church saint says verse 5 i am the vine and you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit you see our fruit the results of our ministry efforts come from staying connected with, abiding, remaining in our direct relationship and flow of power with Jesus Christ. He's responsible for the fruit in our church. We're responsible to find out what it is and to do it in His power, in His name, but He's responsible for the fruit. And I think sometimes, sometimes we give up too early on ministry Serving in various places of the churches. You know why? Because at some point, we find out it's not easy. Right? Oh, I'll be part. I'll serve be part of the church. I want to be used of the Lord. And as long as it's fun, and as long as... Listen, this is true, guys. This is so true. As long as the pastor is constantly from the pulpit saying my name and patting me on the back and recognizing the great job that I've done, then I'm having a great time and I'll continue to serve in ministry. But when it gets hard, when nobody's looking... When it costs me to miss out on something that I want, hello, am I in the right room now? When it gets difficult and sticky, when it requires consistency, they rely on me and I have to be there. Then all of a sudden, in our minds, we think, well, that can't be something that I'm supposed to be doing because that's too hard. I'm serving and I'm, I'm getting involved, but, but to do that, would, that's too much. That would, that would hurt. That would cost me something. Think about what we're saying. Uh, By the way, let's just, if we think ministry is always easy, we think producing fruit for Jesus always should be easy, I want you to listen carefully to the words that Jesus says. Listen carefully. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now listen, every branch that bears fruit... Every branch that is doing ministry and I am working in their life, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Hey, did you know Jesus has full rights to prune your life? Did you know that he calls us to be part of the church? And in some cases, it's our direct involvement in serving in ministry of the church that's the area that causes us to be pruned, that he leads us to take away those things that are are distracting. Sometimes, you know what? I'm not afraid to ask you to serve in the church. I'm not afraid to ask you to give your life in service for what God is doing here at Crosspoint Community Church. I think it's a worthwhile cause. I think it's an eternal purpose. I think it's better than 99% of what most of us are doing. And I'm not afraid to call you to a commitment to that because that commitment is going to cause Jesus to prune in your life so that he can bear more fruit. He wants more fruit out of your life. The question is, do you want that? Do you want to abide in him and have Jesus produce more fruit in your life? Do we want more fruit in our church? Well, it's not going to be easy. I I don't know. Say, well, What does pruning look like, Pastor? Man, I can't answer that question. I'm not Jesus. But I know this, God will prune your life in order to produce more fruit. And when I see somebody pruning, it looks like it's hurting that branch. Looks like it might be uncomfortable. Ministry is always connected to Jesus Christ. And that allows him to make adjustments and changes and how we operate, and how we live, and what we're committed to. And as he makes those changes, listen, he does that because he wants to use you to do greater things in your church. That's the place where God works. Guys, listen, the church is the arena, it's the playground, it's the facility, it's the context, it's the relationships that God has selected primarily for your growth and for your service for your ministry it's connected to Jesus well that means lead us to the second main point of how ministry works then it must be connected to his body <laughs> if it's connected to Jesus it must be connected then to his body now we'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and this is where we're going to end this morning looking at this passage one of those passages that most clearly illustrates for us the church, we're talking about the church as a body, the body of Christ, right? Read with me if you will. I'll give you a second to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at this. How does it work? Connected to Jesus. He prunes in my life. I serve. I get committed. And where do I find that place where I'm supposed to be pruned and be serving? In the church body, the local body. Chapter 12, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And he goes on and on and outlines different gifts, all by this same Spirit, this Holy Spirit of God. Verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, watch this, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He gives to each one of us different gifts. We have different backgrounds. We have different skill sets. We have different personalities. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's responsible for showing us, giving us that place where we fit in the church. And they're all different. Look at verse 12. For the body, that's the church, the body is one and has many members. That's you. But all the members of that body, being many, are not one body, so also is Christ. Being many are one body, So also is Christ. Look at verse 13. For by the Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink of one Spirit. Verse 14. For in fact the body is not one member but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, that's you, each one of them, that's you, in the body, that's the church, just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If they all had the same thing, what would happen? But now indeed there are many members and yet one body. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again of the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Boy, there's so much in this passage that shows us about the church, the ministry of the church, how it works and what it looks like. Let me just point out three basic truths. First of all, everyone's role is important. Everyone's role is important. Now, before you go and do what probably I would do, Hey, role's spelled wrong up there. Spelled wrong in my outline, in my notes. Believe it or not, we did that on purpose. Every role is important. Now, we're going to be talking about our role in the church, our place of service, our role, responsibility is important. But you you see, in order for you to see that, I'm going to speak to you on your language. Let me talk to you about potlucks. Oh, you woke up. Some, some of you slept the whole time until I just said the word potluck. Huh? What? I'm, I'm awake. I'm ready. Potlucks, we love our potlucks. We love to come together and eat. But you, you know the whole idea of a potluck, right? Everybody brings their part, but that one part isn't quite enough to feed everybody. is isn't quite enough to really enjoy much either. But when everybody does, it's this great feast, and we all enjoy all the different parts. So somebody is bringing the roles, and that's where I'm using the dual play on the word role. Everybody's role, everybody's part they bring to the potluck is really important, because if you don't bring it, we're going to miss out. The whole feast is missing something. You see, every role is so important when it comes to a potluck. Every role, place of service and responsibility is equally important In the church, because when you don't fulfill your role, when you don't bring yours to the place, to the feast, to the table, there's something greatly that the entire church misses. And it's the analogy of of the actual body here. Every role is so important. I want you to know every role is important. You know, we have places in our church, say, Well, what's the most important thing we do as a church? Well, uh, you know, whatever it is in your mind. The pastor's role, the, the preaching is really important. The worship leader and the song or whatever it is, you know what? Matt and I are sometimes the most prominent on a Sunday morning, but I would submit to you that my role is not the most important. every role is equally important. Do you know how many people we have right now back in the nursery watching children? Do you know how many were back there during the Sunday school hour? How many of those that are Right now, teaching God's word to elementary children over on that side. Do you know how many of them there are? I would submit to you, because I want to reach some young parents in this crowd this morning. God placed on my heart, young couples, moms and dads, you got to know God spoke to me. I want you to be involved in the church. I want you to commit. I want you to be involved. Find your place of ministry in this church. But in order for me to do that, they've got to have somebody else watching their kids right now. So what's more important? Well, if they weren't in the nursery, I wouldn't be able to speak to them because parents wouldn't be here. Or parents would be so distracted, they wouldn't hear a word I said. How important is that role? Danielle, stand up for a second. I don't know Danielle Taylor. She's our preschool coordinator. I'm embarrassing the heck out of her. She does not want to stand up in front of you, I promise but I want every single person in this room, if you really care about your church, I want you to at least talk to Danielle about how you can help out watching preschoolers in the nursery. You see, you don't have to know ABCs. All you have to do is care enough to find a place, a responsibility, a role in the church, and it is so important, and she will give you everything you need. Thanks, Danielle. She does a great job, by the way. Give her a hand. Ralph, where are you? Where's Ralphie? Ralph, come in here. He's out there working. See, he's not even able... You guys know Ralph? Ralph helps coordinate our ushers and our greeters when we come in here this morning. I want you to know how important that role is in our church. People come, and statistically, they make their decision whether they're going to come back to this church next Sunday in the first 10 minutes from when they get here. Hey, that's before they've even met me. So it's not on me if they don't come back. They make their decision based on how friendly you are, how welcoming you are, for the most part. Ralph, you know, guys, you don't have to do much. Can you shake somebody's hand and say, I'm so glad you're here today. Welcome. Here's a bulletin. Can you do that? If you can do that, we need your help, guys. See Ralph after the service. That's so important because in order for me, I've got some hard things to say to him. I'm going to rough him up a little bit. But you gotta butter them first. You gotta bring them in and let them know we love them. It's not really that hard, but every role is important and you have to be counted on and relied upon. See Ralph, guys, if you can help with that. Didn't Ralph do a good job? Give him a round of (laughs) hand. Amen. Now I picked the two people in the church that probably wanted me to call on their name the least, (laughs) right? There are so many places in our church, every role is important. Every place, the, the, the welcome center and Sunday school teachers and cleaning up the rooms and organizing and rearranging chairs, everything we do, there's lots to do. But every single role is important. Secondly, everyone must be connected. Everyone's connected as the whole body. You see there in verse 14, for in fact, the body is one, not one member, but many. If the foot should say I'm not a hand I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body? Um. (laughs) I like how simple the Bible makes it for us. The Holy Spirit uses the human body as the analogy for a very specific reason because isn't the human body wonderful? How much our body can do? I mean The more you study, even down to the chemical, biological level, there's so many amazing things that are happening in symphony, together, in cooperation. This has to happen for that to happen, and this happens, and the whole human body's connected. But think about it. If I'm going over across the room to pick up my Bible, to pick this book up, okay, it's probably... My hand, maybe even three or four fingers, that actually touches the Bible, but how many parts of my body had to function in cooperation with the other parts in order for me to get there to pick it up? Thousands. The body of Christ is the same way. It may be preaching this morning that I get to be the hand that reaches out and touches somebody's heart, I get to be the voice that God uses to bring conviction. But in order for me to get there, there were thousands of different moving parts in the body that have to happen. In, in connection with each other. We're not separated. Ministry does not happen outside the local church body. What did he just say? Yeah. Spiritual gifts are given for the church body. Sure, God calls missionaries. And we have our parachurch Organizations doing ministry in the community, those are all fine, well, and good. But listen, those should happen in addition to, after, our primary place of serving in the church body. Because that's where God has called you, gifted you, and placed you. Sometimes we, we, we get out of order. We have a body without parts. <laughs> Can you imagine a body that didn't have any parts? I mean, which parts are you going to take away? Take away the legs and arms? Bless God, we have some veterans just like that today. They're not able to do very much for themselves. Take away the lungs, take away the liver. What happens? I mean, the body is deeply affected by some part being taken away. And we have church bodies that are so handicapped by parts of the body being out of place and missing because they don't want to be connected to other people. And so the church is not able to do everything the Lord wants for the church to do. Then we have the other problem. Instead of the body without parts, we have parts without the body. <laughs> he says, um, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? In other words, we can't all just be eyes. There, there also has to be ears, and every, every part's important. And, but they are connected. Could you imagine taking body parts? These are like, see my two eyeballs here? These are eyeballs. It's a, it's a big dude. He had some big eyes. But hey, we got him out for illustration purposes. Could you, now you know what these are for, right? They're, they're placed inside the head. They're connected with nerves and blood supply and you know all the stuff that has to happen. And, and they move around. And they cause the body to be able to perceive and see. And if you've ever been temporarily blinded or if you're blind, you know how difficult it is for the body to operate without these things. They're very important. They have a very important role. God has gifted some eyeballs in our church. That's, that's your place. But you don't want to be connected because you don't want to be accountable to somebody else. You don't want to always have to be there to be relied upon because you'd rather go do something else. You'd rather not be accountable. You're not connected. Could you imagine, from God's point of view, those of you that have created to be eyeballs, if you are eyeballs in God's eyes, but you're not connected to a body, then you're just a bouncing ball. We have eyeballs bouncing around on the streets and in, in clubs and activities and sports programs and wherever you're at. And you're outside of your body. And the eyeball outside of the body just kind of, wow, I wonder what that does. There's no glory to God in that. So that's the way some of us live our lives. Bouncing around with our spiritual gift out in different places and in the world. Wondering why we're never fulfilled being used by God. Because he has a body for you. And everyone must be connected. And finally, everyone must contribute. Everyone must contribute. It only works if we're all serving in our place, our giftedness. Next year, the start of the year, we're going to begin sharing some plans with you, the church-wide vision. How we're going to make some small course corrections and organizational adjustments for this reason. Say, so we're gonna make some changes next year. Small course corrections. Are you hearing me? Somebody leaves this place. Pastor's gonna change the entire church. You're gonna turn everything upside down. That's not what I said. Small course corrections. For this reason. So that more people in the body can be serving in the ministry of the church. That's why we're making them. So that everybody has a place and a part and, and we're connected together as teams and we're keeping our ministry to the Lord first, abiding in Christ, and then we're serving one another and then we're serving non-believers in our community. And then when all that's happening, there's this body of Christ. And Guys, could you imagine what the body of Christ can do when all of the parts are in symphony working together and the Holy Spirit is just blowing and going in reading? Guys, you can join this church. Be part of what God is doing in this church. We want to be part of something that's greater than ourselves, something that brings wonder and awe, something where God shows up and the rest of the world can say, there's no explanation of what we've seen and encountered on that corner and in those people, except for there must be a God and he must be awesome. That's what he wants to do. You can be part of that. That's what God is doing in our church. It's a worthwhile investment. I'm not calling you to be part of something that's vain. I'm not t- calling you to b- give up other things in your life, to be part of something that's empty. I'm calling you to be a part of something supernatural, something that God created you to thrive in, His church. All of us can be in a certain place of ministry, right here being connected with one another, And growing at the same time. Let's see what God will do when that happens. Let's see what kind of impact there is. How about you? Where are you connected? Where are you serving? What's God doing in your heart? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, the author, creator of church. Lord Jesus, your body, here. And we ask that you would use this time to help us to be committed and help us to grow. Help us to respond. As you're praying, I want to invite you, perhaps uh, you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior, let me give you the chance. Here's our ministry to you, to be reconciled to God through forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross for you and he shed his blood for your sins Will you receive the free gift of forgiveness and eternal life? Will you do that right now, right here? Settle that issue with God. Pray with me. Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know I'm not right with you because of my sin. And you sent your son Jesus to die for my sins and shed his blood. And I accept freely, by faith, your gift of forgiveness and eternal life through Jesus' death. Come into my life. Make me new. And those of us who have prayed that prayer, the Spirit of God dwells in you, yearning to be fit, membered, used by God. Maybe your heart this morning is, Lord, I just I'm not sure exactly where I fit, and I'd like to come to the altar and ask you to show me. God's speaking to your heart. I'm going to open up the altar. This is your time of response. You come and just pray. Just come before the Lord and ask Him. Perhaps you're serving in ministry and you just want to make sure that you're where God wants you to be and you're not getting bitter and you're staying connected with Him. Your commitment is, Lord, I choose to abide in you in my ministry so that what I do comes from you and not from me. If that's your prayer request, that should be the prayer request of every serving person in ministry in this room. If that's your heart and you would like to come do business with God, I'm opening up the altar. You come now. Your time to respond, church. God, I'm not sure how you want to use me. I don't know what I can do. But I've heard your word this morning and I want to be part of the body. So I just come to you this morning and I just ask you to work in my life and show me my place. If you're here this morning, it's, Lord, I want our church to be organized and arranged such that everybody can be a part. Help us, help our leaders. Help our deacons. Show us how to be Organize so that this can happen. Lord, I've been distracted like Martha. I'm worried about many things today. I choose by faith to set those aside and like Mary I'm sitting at your feet listening to your word worshiping you and you have spoken to my heart about serving others serving non-believers I want to be part of Upward I want to be part of the ministry of reconciliation in our church I'm committing to you All the praise and the glory for everything that you will do, have done, and are doing in our church, Lord Jesus. It's your body, and we're so grateful to be a part. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can look this way. I'm going to call your attention to this card, response card. Pastor Matt mentioned it early on in the service. Could you just put your name, other information on the front, and on the back? pencil in your response to God. Um, If you'd like more information or if you prayed that prayer to receive Jesus with me, make sure that you let us know. Mark that on the back of your response card and and your prayer requests as the Lord is speaking to your heart. We will be, as a staff, we'll be praying for you this week and we'll use these. And you get to put, in just a moment, guys are going to help us with the offering if you'll come forward at this time. Just a moment, you get to put your tithes and offerings in the offering plate and your response as part of your offering as well. Let me encourage you, church. Um, There's a lot to do. And we don't have enough money to do it. I'm just being honest with you. There's no way. So we're trusting God to speak to you, that you would trust him by faith and tithe and give sacrificially and by faith. And the Lord will use that to do everything that he wants to do. We're trusting the Lord to do that in your hearts. So I'm just praying, God, do that and people be obedient to how the Lord is leading you. As the offering plate comes by, you'll be sure to give to the Lord your response and your tithe. Mike, would you lead us in prayer? Dear Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, providing everything for us, everything that uh, we have uh, for our food, for our clothing, where we live at, and this wonderful country that we live in, and all that we're provided for. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, just come up upon us as a body, a church body, Lord, that we would just see you working in our midst and want to give back to you a small token of appreciation for your love and forgiveness for us, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.